the message title today, The Pursuit of Love. You know, we have to get this right. The pursuit of love is a priceless possession. It's a priceless possession that bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. And love is difficult to get sometimes. True love. Just superficial love is easy to get. Superficial love, but true love is hard to get. And it's even harder to keep sometimes. And some people have true love right in front of them and they take it for granted and they don't appreciate it. And they overlook it and then they soon to lose it. True love. In fact, I think that once we get saved, we see love totally different. Once we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life and God who is love comes and lives on the inside of us, then we start receiving love and expressing love at a whole different level. We start hearing things different. We start seeing things different. We start feeling things different. Our actions become different. And through the help of the Holy Spirit, we're able to express love on a whole different level. It's a game changer. Love is essential to our peace right now on earth. And love, God, the love of God, God's love is essential to our eternal happiness. Love is important. And that's why these two words just hit me like a ton of brick. I want to take a moment and look at these two words and put them into perspective in their original context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church is a, you know, they were operating in the spiritual gifts. They were laying hands on the sick. They were prophesying. They were doing all of these things that he talked about in chapter 12. And, I mean, they were new, right? They, they were a church that was just beginning. They didn't have 2,000 years of history to look back on to find out how do we do this? What do we do? What do we need to do? What do we need to implement? They were, this was a new ball game. This was new territory to them. So Paul had them close and he was admonishing them about the important things that they needed to do. And even with us, with 2,000 years of history looking back, I think there's times that we need to be redirected on things. There's times that we need to be refocused on things. And this church, the River Church, does an amazing job at loving people. We can give ourselves a hand. The River Church does an amazing job at loving people. Pastor, I've heard him tell a few people, you can love a porcupine. <laughs> we have some people that can really love a porcupine. In fact, this corner over here has so much love coming out of it at times. This is the porcupine corner. We have some big time lovers in that corner. But Paul recognizes the potential of the Corinthian church and he realizes that they're heavy on spiritual gifts, they're moving, they're operating, but there's just something that they didn't have in place in order. They didn't understand love. So Paul stopped at the end of chapter 12 and took a whole chapter to write about love so they could fulfill their potential in spreading the gospel and spreading the good news and, and evangelizing the, the whole world. Yes. So 
Paul was actually telling the Corinthian church here, pursue love. What he was saying is before you can excel in the deep things of your spiritual journey, before you can move to the next level, before you can leave from this place, you have to pursue love. This is what Paul was saying in these two words in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Before you can take it the next step, let's stop and pursue love. So we're going to hear these words this morning. And we're going to build that foundation in our life. I was talking to Joe, Joe and Stacy the other night. And Joe said that they were at a party and he met his wife Stacy, who wasn't his wife at the time. And he didn't even realize that he was, she was going to be his wife. And they didn't even realize that each of them kind of considered marriage or a relationship. But he said for two years, they didn't even communicate. But he said during those two years, since pastor was talking about foundations, he was saying that in those two years, he was building a foundation for the relationship that was to come. Yes. That's wisdom. Yes. That's wisdom. That's a marriage that'll last the test of times because he'd done it right from the beginning. He'd done it right from the beginning. People pursue careers, they pursue finances, they pursue fame, they pursue treasures. People spend their whole life to find this treasure. They go out and search the bottoms of the oceans for treasures, and then they die and it rusts and rot away, or thieves come in and steal it. People spend their whole lives in search of things for happiness. In fact, the knights in the Dark Ages and the Renaissance period would search for the perfect quest to get them knighted into knighthood by the kings. But very few people search for love. Very few people pursue love. People will go all the way across the world to do internship at a popular restaurant or a popular hospital or to advance their career and their profession and they'll leave the love that could have completed their whole life. Yes. Today we're going to talk about pursuing love from a biblical perspective. So there are three topics that I want to discuss before we begin our pursuit. Three topics as we begin our pursuit in love. And the first topic is we have to know what love is. How can we pursue something that we don't know? 1 John chapter 4, we can put it up, 1 John 4, 8, says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love. And we know that we just said from the time we're born, we're pursuing love. We're looking for love. Sometimes we're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I had to say that. But, but... But we, we make mistakes. We're pursuing love. And as I mentioned earlier, love is hard to explain with mere words. So how do we pursue something that we can't explain? There, there are seven, seven different facets of love that are known. Four of them are directly out of the Word of God. Four types of love are directly out of the Word of God. We find eros. We find... Uh, we find philia and agape. We find romantic love. We find family love, like your aunt, your mother, your cousins. 
we find philia, brotherly love, like your friends, and then we find agape love, which is the God kind of love, the unconditional love, the love without end, the love like no one could ever love you. It's the God kind of love. One of the disciples asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus' response was merely love, to love, to love God with your heart, your mind, and your, your soul and your spirit, your heart, your mind, strength, and your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That was Jesus' response was love. Love is the greatest commandment, and love for us as human beings is the greatest commitment that we can make is to love. It's the greatest commandment and it's the greatest commitment. So I ask you a question today. Are you pursuing love? Are you pursuing love? Are you chasing after Jesus? Are you chasing after God, the agape kind of love? With everything that you have, with all that you are, are you pursuing love? Because I can tell you, that love is pursuing you. That same love that we seek after seeks after us. He wants that relationship with us. And I was thinking about this sermon and I think about two magnets. You have a positive pole and a negative pole. And those two magnets, if you put them together and the poles are opposite, they come together with a lot of force. In fact, I have some magnets at work that are rare earth magnets are some of the most powerful magnets that uh, are known to man. And if you get your fingers in the way when they come together, you're gonna have a pretty bad blood blister because they come together with so much force. If you stick it to the side of your desk, you need a screwdriver to get it off. But those same magnets, if you turn them opposite, they try to push each other apart. And that's how our relationship is with God. Come here, Donna. If I want to demonstrate this, and we didn't practice it, so I don't know what's going to happen. So, so her right hand is her positive, and her left hand is her negative. So my right hand, when I'm facing her, is positive to negative, and there's an attraction. I'm so attracted to this lady. But they, 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 we're talking about God and us, okay? But I'm attracted to this lady. But so, so there's an attraction. But if I turn my back, then these poles are the same and it repels. Now, now magnets, I don't know if you've ever had a magnet. They, they try to push apart, but if you let them go, that magnet will actually flip around and reconnect with the other magnet. And that's the same thing. Our, we, we, Donna's, we're the same way right now. She's repelling, but that force never stops. It's saying, hey, I love you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I love you. And they attract. They attract. That's how our relationship with God. That's a love relationship. Even though we're not feeling it right now. That's behind our back saying, hey, I love you. I love you. And eventually we flip around and reconnect with God that quick. That quick. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything present, nor anything to come, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God. This is the love that we're talking about this morning. This is the love of God. Nothing can separate us. 
And Paul drives this point home in the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at it. <laughs> Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So he's reflecting back on chapter 12 where he's talking about the spiritual giftings. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Speaking of our spiritual language speaking in tongues and have not love I have become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand mysteries and knowledge again he's talking about 12 prophecies discerning of spirits words of wisdom words of knowledge but though I don't have love though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. You know, I know a lot of churches that build themselves up on knowledge. I, I went visit this one church years ago with a guy I worked with, and they could tie all of the types and shadows together, and you would listen to them and be amazed at how much knowledge they had on the Word of God, but he couldn't get one person from that church to come and help him with the problems he was having at his house. And I went and helped him. And he said, the love that you showed me, he said, I'm coming to church with you. Because knowledge puffeth, puffs up. But all we need is the love of God inside of us. That's all. That's foundation. Let's look at the rest of those verses. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, that's strong words. That means giving, it, giving, giving your all. Though we give our all, but if we give it for the wrong reason. If we don't have love, it means nothing. Love offers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. And another translation says love never ends. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. All of these things, all of the spiritual gifts that we have now, all of the amenities of our spiritual journey, speaking in tongues, prophesy, discerning of spirits, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. When we get to heaven, we won't need these things. They'll all fade away except love. Except love. Let's go on. It says, For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when all things which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child and understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now we know in part, but we shall know just as I am also known. Pursue love. Pursue love. When Paul teaches us about love, he, he makes some things clear. He says love doesn't just happen. Love doesn't just happen. We have to pursue love. We have to chase after love. We have to aim for love. It doesn't just happen. We have to reach for it. 
There has to be some self-effort sometimes to get this kind of love, whether it's a decision that we have to make or whether it's some things that we need to move out of our way so we can get a better perception of who God really is. There may be some walls that we build up in our heart that keeps us from love. We may have a fear of love. Some people put up walls when they're hurt by love because all of us have been hurt by love at one time. But God wants to break those walls down today. Strongholds are coming down. Strongholds are coming down. Jesus is lifted high. When we lift Jesus high, the walls come down. The walls that we put in our heart come down. So how do we pursue love? First of all, we have to agree we all make mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes in pursuing love. In fact, I'm probably going to make some more mistakes because we're not perfect. But I pray that my mistakes get smaller. You know, I want to be real with you just for a second. I had a neighbor, my neighbor now. I love my neighbor. We was at the house and he, he texted me. He said, hey, come to the fence. So I came to the fence and he hands me two big heads of cabbage. Beautiful cabbage. They were delicious. I smothered them down with some sausage and ground meat and onions and garlic and rotel tomatoes. and mm. But you got to love a neighbor like that, right? That's what love is about. And I told him, I said, man, I said, if you don't mind, I'm going to use you as an example when I preach. I said, I love you because you give me cabbage. And you know what he told me? He said, what about that neighbor on the right side of you? When you learn to love him, you'll have arrived. Because you see... <laughs> I'm like, all right. Because you see, some people make noise at 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and some people's dogs eat through your fence, like eat the boards completely off the fence. Not only my fence, but his fence too. Some people are easy to love. And I love, I love both of my neighbors. Some people are easy to love. But some people are hard to love. Some people are like loving on a porcupine. You know, you, you just got to hug them anyway. You got to hug them anyway. So... I was, I was writing this sermon and all of a sudden I think the neighbor on the right side was having problems with a horn on one of his vehicles for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so it was blowing and blowing and then it would stop and start and then it would change tones. It was like toning a trumpet. You know, bump, 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 bump. So I'm thinking, man, this guy got problems. So... I text me and the other neighbor that I love, you know, the one that gives me cabbage and carrots and turnips. So the, the neighbor that I love, we texting and I said, you know, I said, I'm sitting here writing a sermon on love and I really like to just go lay hands on somebody right now. <laughs> and, and so what he texted me, he said, brother, when you love the man on your right side, you have earned a position to sit at Jesus's right hand. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, man convicted again so some people are just easy to love some people are easy to love I like Donna Donna's easy to love who doesn't love Donna don't nobody raise their hand but everybody loves Donna she's easy to love she's easy to love so we go through life and we make mistakes about love in fact there was a man who seen this lady and wanted to win the hand of this lady he wanted affection and she wouldn't give him the time of day so he prayed about it and he he felt led 
Sometimes we feel led and it's not God. So he felt led that the way to her heart was through the mail, writing her love letters. So he began to write love letters to this lady. Every day he would write her a love letter and he wasn't getting anywhere with it. So he said, okay, I'll write her three love letters a day. So he wrote her three love letters a day. So 700 letters later, okay, a lot of words, ink pens, pencils, he put in time writing these love letters. You know what happened? She married the mailman. <laughs> she married the postman. She just wanted to hear his voice say, I love you. But yet he did it through another person. So we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. If we don't know what love is, we're going to end up searching for a, we're going to end up following a facade. We're going to be end up searching for a decoy, something that's false. We'll be in deceit. We'll be deceived if we don't know what love is. Let's, let's look at what Paul tells us love is. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8, Paul gives us the perfect definition of love. That's why this is the love chapter. And you can use this if you're looking for love to see any red flags, to see any problems, to see if you're in the wrong area. This is a roadmap to love. It says love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy and does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Love, true love will never fail. True love will never end. True love is the unconditional love that God has for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. God gave us his son. God show, showed true love to us. You know, Donna is teaching me all about love. And, and I say that in the most purest and humble form. The, the other day we were at home and she asked me to do something. And I was reading my Bible at the time. So in my mind, I thought, well, as soon as I finish reading my Bible, I'll get up and do it. So I finished reading my Bible, and I think I got distracted. So it was probably either a phone call, or it was a football game, or it was my guitar in the corner calling me to play it. So one of those ways, I got distracted. So the next day, seen what she asked me to do and I told her I said "Bay, I said didn't didn't you ask me to do that I, and she had came behind me and done it and I thought uh oh so I, I said I said you had asked me to do that and I said you done it I said why you didn't tell me and this is what she told me she said I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to feel bad I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to feel bad she didn't want to make me feel bad saying I forgot to do it that's true love. How often would we confront somebody about their faults or want to correct them just to elevate our own self? That's true love. She didn't want to make me feel bad. She was that considerate to do it herself and not say anything. Every day I'm learning. 
So the second topic I want to discuss is we have to recognize the importance of feelings and commitments. When we're pursuing love, we have to know the difference of feelings, emotions, and commitments, actions. So on one hand, and it's not a bad hand, but it just can't stand alone. We have emotions. We have those people that are in love and you say, well, how do you know you're in love? And they say, because it just feels so right, which isn't a bad thing. Or they might say, I can't, I'm miserable if I'm not around them, which again, that's not a bad thing. Or they may say, I've never felt this way before about anybody. Again, not a bad thing, right? They may say, just look how attractive she is. That's really not a bad thing. But, but again, it's all built on emotions. Emotions are unstable. If we build our love on emotions, then there's a chance that it won't stand the test of time. So we can't build our love on one hand. We have to have another hand. Someone once said that love is an ocean of emotions and a sea of expense. Love is an ocean of emotions and a sea of expense. The things that people will do to get that adrenaline rush of the good feeling, the things that they'll pay, the cost that they'll pay, like going to Disney World and riding rides. Nothing wrong with that, right, Steph? But, but that <laughs> adrenaline rush, you know, love is that adrenaline rush, but it's not always about feelings because feelings will let you down. So on one hand, there's, there's emotions and Emotions make a poor foundation for building relationships. But instead on building relations, love from emotions, relationships from emotions, we need to build our relationships off of love, off of doing things out of love. And I, I believe that this is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, where he said, pursue love. Pursue love, actively pursue love. So you have, on one hand, you have the people that say love is emotions, which is not all wrong. That's, that's correct. It is emotions. But then on the other hand, you have people that say love is not emotions. Love is a decision. Love is just a decision that you make. It's actions, which is not totally wrong. Love is a decision. We choose to love at times. It's not all based of emotions. But I don't want to go through life without feeling those emotions. Some of the best things in life are the times when we feel the most loved. So we can't separate those two. Those two things, feelings and commitment, emotions and decisions, those have to come together and we build a solid foundation on love. So the people that that say, you know, love is decision, a decision that you make, that's probably the most biblical perspective of love because for God gave his only begotten son. That was a decision that God made. That God had to count the cost and the cost was his son. God had to pay a price and the price was his only begotten son for us. So God gave and I thank God that he gave. We thank God that he gave but it isn't always easy. Love isn't always easy. One thing about love is love is honest. Love is honest. 
Sometimes the honesty of love confronts us. Sometimes the honesty of love confronts us with a tough kind of love. It's like walking into a glass door that you didn't see and smashing your face against it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I, when we first moved into our house, there was a bird that hit the glass. I'm just thinking about this. That hit our glass window, and you could see the imprint of the bird. The wings, the tail, the eyes was like this big, and the beak was open like, I didn't see it coming. And you could see, I got a picture on my phone. I'll show y'all after. You could see the birds in his, in, you could read the bird's mind like, I didn't see this coming. And that's how we are with love. We don't see it coming sometimes. We don't see it coming. But the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love, which isn't always easy. We have to speak the truth in love. Donna always asks me, does this look good? And I say, baby, you make those pants look really good. <laughs> or baby, you make that shirt look really good. Am I being totally honest? Yes, she can rock anything. But, but, but it's probably best not to get my opinion because I'm biased. She should probably ask somebody that don't love her and idolize her as much as I do. <laughs> but we have to speak the truth in love. Just because it's the truth doesn't mean it's our responsibility to say it sometimes because it has to be said in love. I worked with a guy who thought it was his job responsibility to expose everyone's sin. And he did so. And it wasn't a good thing. He hurt people's feelings. In fact, there were some people that got physically hurt out of the things that he said because it caused problems, physical problems. It was the truth, but it wasn't his responsibility to say it. There are times that the truth had to be, has to be spoken, but is it our responsibility to say it sometimes? Have we loved that person enough to actually expose that? You know, when, when I had young kids, I don't have to discipline them now because they're all older. Now we just advise and guide and direct. But when I had young kids and it was time to discipline them, I would discipline my kids. That was fine. My parents would discipline my kids. That was fine. Family would discipline them. That's fine. Friends that I knew would discipline them. That's fine. But what about a stranger acting out corporal punishment on your kid? You know, I'm not okay with that. I'm like, hold up. You hadn't loved my kid enough to swat him. If I you swat him, I want you to swat him with love. And that's where God loves us. We have to speak the truth out of love. Have we loved that person enough to actually correct them? And this is something that we have to get a good perspective of. This isn't easily done. A church that pursues love is not a church without, not a church without conflict. It's not a church without, oh, there was a word, disagreement. Disagreement and conflict. A church that pursues love. But one thing here at the river is we don't run from it. We speak the truth in love. If, if we have disagreement and conflict, we speak the truth in love. We don't procrastinate. And that's what's special about the river. We speak the truth in love. And I've, over the years, I've seen so much disagreement, so much contention, so much conflict in churches. And you wonder why you have a church on every corner in some places. West Baton Rouge Parish. Why do we have a church in every corner? Probably because somebody didn't speak out in love. Somebody may have spoke. But you know when you have problems that arise up and that problem is mitigated through love, 
most of the time everybody wins there are no losers but when the problem is mitigated through love and from the right person it's usually a win-win situation because we reconnect we grow when we address things in love we become stronger when we run from things and neglect our responsibilities to act out in love we become weaker as a body as a body So the, the Bible says that Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Wow, you on it today, Kyle. <laughs> Give Kyle a hand. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for edifying itself in love. It doesn't say that the body being connected causes the growth. Let's look at that again. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. Who is the head Christ? From, and it goes on, who the whole body joined together knitted together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share from speaking the truth in love causes the growth of the body so when we speak out to each other we have to speak in love when my children were young and growing up and, and as sibling rivalry happens in every family I prayed about Lord how do I handle sibling rivalry how do I handle them fighting with each other? And I don't know if you remember this, I mean, but one day I told them, I said, if you can't speak to your brother with a smile on your face, don't you speak. So they thought about it for a little while. I was like, oh, okay. And that lasted for about 10 minutes. <laughs> but we have to speak in love. I was praying for a couple one time that came down for altar call. And God told me, he said, tell him that when he speaks to her, speak in love. He said, tell him that you speak to her like I'm standing in the middle and you whisper in my ear and I relay her the message. So we have to filter everything through love. We have to filter everything through love. Can you imagine speaking to your wife? And I repent, I probably don't do this all the time. Like you tell God first. And then he tells your wife, because we're going to be accountable. We're going to be accountable to God when we get to heaven on how we treated our wife. Because he's his, she's the, the daughter of the king before she was my wife. So pursuing love isn't always easy. The same is true in friendships and marriages. There are disagreements in real friendships and there are conflicts in genuine marriages. But in real friendships and genuine marriages, the truth is spoken in love. Disagreements are resolved. Conflicts are done away with and diffused when we speak out in love. I want to read this with something I wrote down, but I want to get it right. It says, our greatest problem is that so many of us run from our disagreements and break relationships instead of resolving our differences and diffusing our conflicts. Are we actively pursuing love 
I had one part in my notes that I think I lost. <laughs> the Bible describes God's love. The Bible describes God's love. The Bible doesn't describe God's love as unemotional. It doesn't describe God's love as unemotional. In fact, in when God spoke to Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Before you. And that word knew is a type of love. That word knew is a type of love. He said, I loved you before you were in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you are for good and not for evil, or for a future and a hope. God is for us. God's heart is for us. He loves you. He loves you so much. And a lot of times I think we take that for granted. I want to look at how God loves with his heart because a lot of times when we think about God, we think God executes wrath and justice and judgment and then he sends blessings and favors. But you know, it's more about God making decisions. God's heart is in it. God's heart is stirred toward us. God's not just up there, and he is the righteous judge, but he's not just up there passing judgments. Well, bless this one today, wrath on this one. Bless this one, wrath on this one. Let's, let's look in Hosea 11, 8 and 9. And I want us to listen to the emotion. Every, every word in the Bible is God-inspired. Every word is there for a reason. Every word is there for a purpose. So every word we have to look at, and we have to hear the word with our spirit. 11, 8, and 9, it says, How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over to Israel? How can I make you like Adam, Adma? How can I set you like Zebulun? This was all options that God has. God was fixing to execute judgment on these people. And God restrained himself. He says, How can I do this? In it says, my heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. God's heart was stirred to execute this judgment. He says, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God, not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. You see, God executes love with feeling and with commitment with emotions and with decisions. His heart is for us. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. God is for you. And when you leave here today, you can take the giants out of your life because God is for you. God is for you. We don't have to hear the voices that are calling out saying, you're not any good. You can't do it. You're not adequate enough. You'll never be anything. No, we can kill those giants because we know that God's heart is in it for us. His heart is in it for us. We have to learn to operate not only by emotions, but out of commitment as well. It's not always about how we feel. It's just like marriage vows. When you get married, most people who say the typical vows, I'll take care of you in, in the good times and the bad times, in sickness and in health, when I'm feeling it and when I ain't feeling it. It doesn't matter. And, and it, 
God is the same way. He, he loves you no matter what. His love is unconditional, unconditional. And he's just waiting for us to turn around and reconnect with him. That's his love. You know, when we become married is, is one of the best examples of love, but it's, it's an example of us dying to ourselves. When we become married, that means that we put someone above our own feelings. You know, when Donna asked me to, to get out of a warm bed and go buy her some ice cream or some Little Debbie cakes, you know, it's not about my feelings at that point. You know, I love her. I love her. And whatever she wants, you know, we, 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 we talked about this. You know, I would do anything for her. It's not about my feelings. And in the same sense, she would do anything for me. It's not about her feelings. When we get married, we die to ourselves. We die to ourselves. It's, it's, it's a selfless act to put someone above you. And we have to do it not only to our wives, spouses, cousins, families, and neighbors on the right side, but we have, we have to do it to each other here in the body of Christ. We have to put each other above ourselves. That's what the outreach yesterday was all about. It was all about love. It was all about loving our community. It was all about giving back to our community. It didn't matter what, what they were in. It didn't matter what they were doing. It didn't matter if we were talking to them. And I wasn't there. I was preparing for this sermon. But, but I, I know the hearts of the people that were there. It didn't matter if that person was drunk, lit, or high. They loved them. They loved them genuinely. It was a true love. It was a selfless act. And they showed the love of God to the community. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. There was a, a pastor who was asked to speak to an elementary age school about money. About money. So he told them, he said, I want to explain to you that money can't buy everything. He said, first of all, he said, money can't buy love because love comes from the soul. So money can't buy love. So he wanted to drive that point home a little more. And he told him, he said, take for instance, if I would offer you $1,000 not to love your mom and dad. And the room got quiet. And all of the young children were thinking. And then this one small girl's voice says, how about $1,000 not to love my sister? <laughs> it, it, some people are just easier to love. You know, God calls us to love our family, our friends, our neighbors, our sisters, our wives, our spouses, our church members. This church is built on love. This church has a foundation of love. God has poured out his love on this church and that same love we've asked to be Lord of our life, we've asked in our heart, he comes and lives inside of us. And then we can truly exemplify and express the love of God. Love, love is like warfare sometimes. Yes, Don't hate me too. <laughs> love, but really, really, love is like spiritual warfare. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. 
As we lift Jesus high, strongholds are pulled down. Just as we sang that song earlier, love is like a warfare, spiritual warfare. How do we do war? Praise is a weapon. Our voice is a weapon. Our dance is a weapon. Our shout is a weapon. The word is a weapon. How do we do warfare? Jude 20 says, being prayed up. Being prayed up in the spirit. In fact, it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When we want to move love to the next level, when we want to rekindle a flames in our marriage and in our life and in relationships, when we want our love to be expressed and surpassed on a whole nother level, what do we do? We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to build ourselves up in prayer. And when you build yourself up in prayer, love just flows from every pore. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when the Spirit hits me really strong, like when we get prayed on and slain in the Spirit, arrest in the Spirit, a lot of times I just want to get up and hug everybody. <laughs> you know? A lot of times, but it's just the love. You feel so much love. Un unexplainable love and it's that love that we pursue it's that love that many people in this world are pursuing that can't find my heart goes out to people who, who tragically in their lives love is the greatest power in the world and we don't create it we're asked to enter into it Jesus asks us to enter into his love into a contractual agreement of entering into his love we ask him to be lord of his, our life he comes and lives inside of us so we have love living inside of us and we begin to walk in God's love and we you may ask me what does it mean to walk in God's love what does it mean to walk in God's love God wants us to be the eyes to see people through his eyes we have to be the eyes of Christ. God wants us to hear people like he hears people. So we have to be the ears of Christ. This is walking in God's love. God wants us to speak to people like he would speak to people. People who are in need. People who are at Walmart. People who are going through things. Family, friends, your neighbor in church. So we have to be the mouth of God. God wants us to run to people who are in need. So we have to be the feet of God. And God wants us to handle people with God gloves. God wants us to touch people's lives. God wants us to lay hands and pray for people. God wants to actively express love through us. So we have to be the hands of God. This is walking in God's love. This is actively pursuing love. And then once we pursue love, then we have to invite people to come and walk with us. We have to ask us, look, come Come and walk in God's love with us. Come and walk with us. I don't have all the answers in love. But one thing I do know is a pursuit in life that you don't want to miss out on. You don't want to miss out on. I encourage you not to let past hurts keep you from one of the best things in life. The enemy's the enemy's tactic, the enemy's weapon, the enemy's most deceitful trick is to separate you from the best thing you could ever have by hurting you with the best thing that you could ever have. He tries to separate us from love. So many people don't come to church because they've built up walls. They've built up walls. 
from the hurt that they've had from loving the wrong thing or their perception of love being wrong. So today again, I ask you, are you pursuing love? Are you pursuing the right love? Are you pursuing true love and genuine love? Are you actively expressing love? Because love is definitely expressing you. I mean, pursuing you. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Love will never end. When the, everything else passes away, love will never end. So I ask you to let's walk in God's love. Let's pursue God's love with everything inside of us, with everything we can do. Let's actively focus on pursuing God's love. If you can stand up with me, we're going to close here and pray. <clears throat> Praise you, Lord. You may be in here today and have never heard a message like this. You may have been in church for years and years and never heard a message on love. And it's probably because you haven't been in this church because we preach about love and we talk about love and we exemplify love. But most of all, God is love and God has brought you here today to impress on you how much he loves you. So if you're in here today and you may have never given your life to God, I want to tell you that God loves you. And God desires for his love to be Lord of your life and to develop that true, genuine love relationship with him. So if you've never been, if you've never asked Jesus as Lord of your life, I want to pray with you today. And I don't know everybody in here. I think we had some visitors. But if you could just raise your hand if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, we don't want to miss out on the best thing that ever could happen to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to leave the altar open and I want to pray for a few more things in a few more areas. But at any time, you can come up and we'll pray with you. I want to extend the invitation to people who've built up walls because they've had past hurts. You may be in here and have thought, wow, that's speaking about me. That's speaking to me. Well, I'm telling you that as we lift up Jesus, strongholds are coming down. And if you need prayer today about a wall that you've built up, we're here to stand in the gap with you and pray that you can overcome these walls and we'll stand in faith and those walls will come down in Jesus' name. Don't miss out on the best thing that's ever happened to you. You might be in here today and just need a hug. <laughs> I want to tell you that we love you. We love you. And if you need a hug, these ladies in the corner will give you a hug. <laughs> we love you. Praise you, Lord. Well, Lord God, we just lift up your name. We lift up Jesus high. Lord, we know that as we lift you up, strongholds are coming down. 
Lord, we know that this time and this season is directed toward love and true love only comes from you. True joy and true happiness only comes through a relationship with you. So Lord, as we go through this season, we just ask that you infiltrate us with your love. Fill us with your love that we can adequately exemplify you. Lord, we know that people want a tangible love. They want to feel you, Lord God. They want to feel loved. So we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to run to, hands to touch the lives of those around us who are in need. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and pointing us to those who are in our midst that feel neglected, that feel left out, that feel that they're not adequate, that the enemy is lied to. Lord, we bind that enemy that would lie to them and tell them that they're not loved. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. We ask you to give us opportunities this week to exemplify your love. We thank you, Father, that we're going to walk in places, that we're going to walk around people, Lord God, that they're just going to feel the love oozing out of every pore of our body, that we won't even have to open our mouth, that we won't have to speak, Lord God, that they'll feel the love that lives inside of us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus, and we thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that this foundation that we're building is a foundation of love. It's not a shaky foundation. It's not a foundation that is on shaking sand. But we thank you that this is a solid foundation. Your word says that we have a kingdom that will not be shaken. Lord, we're pursuing a kingdom that will not be shaken. And we thank you for that, Heavenly Father. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. If you want prayer, come up and we have people that will pray with you. I'll pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, if you need a hug, other than that, we love you. And you're dismissed. <laughs>